Welcome to Nairobi Chapel and Bakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. I want to tell you guys a story, okay? And uh, walk with me, all right? Imagine you had a lady colleague at your place of work, wherever that is. And uh, she just got her driver's license and has been saving up for a car. You who has um, managed to own a car and uh, know things, a thing or two about a car, um, uh, she comes and tells you, I have this driver's license and I want to buy a car. The only thing she knows about a car is a spanner, a jack, and when you have a flat tire, okay? Uh, or possibly also where to put, you know, the petrol, the gas into the tank. If you open a car, the front of a car for this lady, it's like opening the back of a wristwatch, okay? It's so complicated, she's like, hey, it's sour. Yes, but she says, I need you to advise me on buying a vehicle. Okay? And you're like, sir, may I have my vehicle? Maybe this is my second. I sold the other. Have a... And she knows that. And she's like, you help me in buying this vehicle. And you go to the car bazaar. Okay? And at the car bazaar, you go one Sunday after service, you go car bazaar, Uko Ngong Road. You check it out. You're saying, okay, sir. And then you go another Sunday. So you're beginning to shop. And she's, she's sending you pictures of cars that she's seeing and all that. And then there's word that there's a car that she knows is going to be at the car bazaar one of these Sunday. After this Sunday, you go there and you see this car and you're like, sir. Now, the owner of this car is an honest person. He says, it's a car, it's not. But there's one problem with this car. One problem is this yellow light, I can't seem to get it off. Okay? It doesn't go off. It's on the dashboard. It's, and I've gone, in fact, I've even gone to mechanics. We've gone to a guy called, uh, uh, guys at Toyota Kenya, and they said they can't fix it. They have to get somebody from Japan to fix this thing. Because there's something. The price was good, but there was only this thing. And this guy says, I've been coming to this car bazaar many times, and people have want taking this thing. Like, sir. Okay? How she says, I like this. You're honest. We can find it. However, this guy says, if you really want this, eh, there's a guy. He's called Walter Danger Odori. The best mechanic in Kenya. This guy can fix your thing. You let me know. The following day, you're at work. With your workmate, um, I'll just say, let me just say, your workmate and you, you've invited your workmate, so she now comes to work, okay? So work with that. <laughs> sir, sir. All right, sir. I, I missed that, eh? All right, sir. So now you're at work. And she says, I'm buying this thing. I say, okay, sir. Are you sure? I say, yeah, yeah. And so she makes the transfer for the cash. The next day, in the evening, she sends you a, a text with a picture. Look, I have the car keys. I have the car. So you guys at Nairobi Chapel, so you guys pray. So you just pray for my car. I don't know. But there you go. She says, let's call that guy, the owner of the car, to introduce us to the guy called Walter Danger Odori. Remember that name. Walter Danger Odori is the best mechanic. So this guy says, 
Sir, you want me to do that? Let me give you his number. But let me tell you a story about Walter Danger Odori. Walter Danger Odori is a legend. Because as he was young in his late teens, the name Danger, okay, was given to him because he was a lethal striker on the football team. He was this rising, emerging star. Work with me, guys, here in football. And then he got he got into an accident, in a matatu accident, and broke his leg. So bad was that injury that he had to put be put a metal plate in his leg, and he never really recovered from that. He even has a limp. Seeing that he doesn't have a future in football, he went, got into the Kenya Poly, did mechanical engineering, was so good, recruited by Toyota Kenya, even sent to Toyota in Japan. Danger was so good, he became an instructor in Japan, learning Japanese fluently. Oh, by the way, Danger can speak five other languages. But being in Japan, away from his family, was lonely. And he started giving his way to drinking. He drank so much, he became an alcoholic. Coming back to Kenya with that habit, he was hired by the largest car um, servicing company. They did not know that he was an alcoholic. But they began to see some signs because he would come to work smelling of the alcohol. You would sometimes see him drinking from a water bottle. Kumbe, that was alcohol, they didn't know. But this guy was so good. Even his boss was willing to look past those, those shortcomings of his. But what was unknown to this guy, the, the employer, was that Walter Danger, even in trying to be able to to, to, to keep up with some of his payments for his house rent, he couldn't keep up with them. And one day, unknown to him, his landlord said enough, kicked his wife and children out. So because there was drama at home, he did know, she came to the house, I mean to the workplace, and began causing to him. Danger lost it that day, and they started a fight, and they started beating her right there at the workspace. His own colleagues, the trainees, restrained him from that, pushed him away. His wife and children were escorted to the manager's office while they were hysterically crying. Danger was frog-marched to the police post just across the road and was put in. What is that Danger was released the following day? But something came up. The employer got to realize that Danger was stealing pair parts from this place and moonlighting in his own garage. Danger was arrested by that same police guys there and he was put in. He was convicted and charged and had three years in jail. You see where I'm going with this Danger guy? What is the Danger was released a year and a half later? Out of good behavior. Rumor is Alipatana Nayesu Uko Gerezana. He has a small car spot at Grogan Road. But the last time this car bazaar guy who sold the car heard about danger, he was being looked for 
by cops. So either on information about stolen engine. So he doesn't know if he's a suspect or he's a what? Or he's a witness. <laughs> but what this guy, the Kabaza, knows, there is not a better mechanic in this city than this guy. So, you tell me, do you want me to give you this guy's number or not? Here's the number. Okay? So here's the lady, and she's asking you this thing. Pastor Fred, she's asking you this. Carol, she's asking you this, where you are. Should I or should I not? Discuss with the people near you. Should you make that call and ask this person, or wait for this guy from Japan to come, and you pay thousands of shillings? Should I or should I not? Should I or should I not? Yes, yes, uh, yes, no, should I, should I not? <laughs> Our reading today comes from the book of Philemon or Philemon, where wherever, whichever primary you went to, the primary people who say primary, okay, it's Philemon. Those who went to primary, it's Philemon. Okay? Alright? Uh, in your Bibles, turn your pages slowly. They might be stuck together. Not, not many people turn to that part. It's in the New Testament. Okay? Somewhere halfway in the New Testament. Okay? And so let's read. I'm reading from the New International Version. Philemon, or Philemon, and there's only one chapter goes this way from verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, or Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you, our Father, to, from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Verse 8. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as, sorry, it is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you, my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and I. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. This is Onesimus, he's sending back. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but, but better than a slave as a dear brother. 
He's a very he's very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. Verse 17. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in in Christ, confident of your obedience. I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. <clears throat> Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. For these few moments, Father, we interact with your word. Speak to us, for your people are listening. Do you know the word grace in your language? In your mother tongue? Do you know the word grace in your mother tongue? Okay? So if you do, the people you are discussing this danger thing, eh? Alright? Just, just, just tell them what that is. If you know. If you don't know, let them tell you uh, grace. Okay? Okay? The simple definition of the word grace, this is a noun, means um, a refinement of movement. That is one meaning. Uh, let me give you a, a, an example. Um, uh, uh, she walked elegantly on the catwalk with so much grace. You, you can already picture that, okay? Sasa. Um, it is a verb, and the verb means to honor or to credit. Uh, something or someone with your presence, okay? His Excellency the President graced the prize-giving day of Embakasi Girls Secondary School. You understand? How could you? But amongst us Christians and in the Bible, I would define the word grace as the free and unmerited favor of God manifested through Christ Jesus. Period. Philemon is one of the letters um, Paul wrote while in prison. Paul was imprisoned twice, at least on record that we know. He may have been imprisoned many more times. But Paul is the person who's writing this letter. And he wrote this while he was in prison. And as he awaited trial before Caesar, Onesimus was one of the millions of slaves in the Roman Empire. He had stolen from his master, okay, Philemon, or Philemon, all right, and ran away. European civilization was predominantly in the southern part of Europe, the northern Mediterranean. And so, um, Onesimus, kind, was considered barbarian at that time, back in the day, okay? They were blonde haired and blue eyed. And considered uncivilized and uncouth. The most, just imagine how the tables have turned. Everywhere Rome conquered, they took slaves. And Onesimus was one of those millions of slaves spread out through the Roman Empire. Having stolen from 
or from Philemon, the penalty of such a crime or such an offense was death. Philemon was the leader of the church in Colossae. You know the book Colossians? Philemon or Philemon was the leader in the church in the, the Colossian church. Colossae, Colossae, I'm not sure what it is, but yes, you get what it is. The Colossian church, okay? In Paul's missionary journey, he met with this fugitive, Onesimus. And Onesimus became a believer. Not just a believer, a staunch believer. Those ones when Pastor Fred says, pray, he's already shouting, hallelujah, amen. Okay? But this guy, okay, became a big follower of Jesus Christ and one of Paul's most trusted lieutenants. You know, you hear Luke, you hear Demas, you hear Epaphras, Epaphroditus, you hear uh, John Mark. Onesimus was one of these people who were very, very, very key for Paul. The story of Onesimus is that Paul had him do great exploits for the kingdom of God in that particular place. But the time had come for Onesimus to deal with his past. The real thing was this guy was a fugitive from the law. And at that point, it came that he said he needs to go back. So Paul was writing this letter in intercession as an appeal to Onesimus, knowing that Onesimus had the right to get this guy, okay, pay the penalty. And so this is a wonderful letter on behalf of Onesimus to Philemon. So the story of Philemon or Philemon can be seen in a couple of ways. One way you could see God's grace at work in an individual, and on the other way, we can see God's grace at work outside. All right? And so today, we are going to talk about God's grace in one's life, and we want to see how we can extrapolate or take out a few lessons from Onesimus' life. By extension, understanding the grace of God. So today we're talking about the gift of God's grace, the grinding work of God's grace, and the glory of God's grace. Let me start with the first one, the gift of grace. The story of Onesimus is not unique to him. It is the story of us all here. We all come from points needing God's grace. We all have issues. Say, I have issues. Just, just accept, okay? If you're married to the person sitting next to you, just look. And it's okay if the person who looks says, yeah, you have issues. Okay? Yeah. We all have issues. If it was all laid bare, this screen was put down and projected your issues, you'd be, you'd be out of this place. Okay? We all have issues. Paul says, as for you, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, as for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, the ruler of this kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. We all have issues. 
When our lives are put before the plumb line of scripture, I mean, you know the way they, they measure the wall, you know the ma- 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 masonry's, you know, with that plumb line. We are very crooked, held beyond before scripture. Nothing we do, nothing we can do, nothing we will ever do will make us right with God. Nothing, nothing on our own efforts will ever make us right before God. God speaking through the prophet Isaiah says, all of us, in Isaiah 64 verse 6, all of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind our sins sweep us our way. You see, like danger, Walter Danger Odori, we will be forever labeled he is an ex-convict, a drunk, an alcoholic, a, a wife beater. What else can we? Oh, he will be forever labeled. But for us before God, we are forever labeled as sinners. Before God, we are sinners. And we're never given a, a benefit of that. Before God, we are sinners. Let me explain to you. Paul, writing to the Roman church where he was in prison, Romans 3.10 says, There is no one righteous. No one. Not even one. There is no one who understands God. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away that they together become worthless. There is no one who does well. No, not even one. Like Onesimus, who came from a background of savages, enslaved by the Roman soldiers, and sold to Philemon. Somehow, feeling entitled to what was not his, unknowingly, very knowingly, stole from his employer and fled from his master. Knowing the penalty could be death, he did it anyway. This is who we are. We are all Onesimus. Say, I am Onesimus. Hi, my name is Onesimus. <laughs> introduce yourself. I mean, in fact, eh, next week we should say, introduce yourself to the person sitting next to you and also say what your new name is. Hi, my name is Onesimus. Guys, left to our own devices, left to our own, we will self destruct. And let me explain to you how this is an experiment. When you see the word or a sign written, wet paint, do not touch. What do you do? You may not touch, but you want to touch. <laughs> that is the rebellious nature in you. But God in his love, but God in his mercy, Pastor Fred, where I go, this is where they say amen. <laughs> but God in his love and God in his mercy has mitigated this. He has found a solution. His son, Jesus Christ, by his spirit, he made him who had no sin to become sin for us all on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, it was not anything we did or can do or will ever do. God paid the cost through his son, Christ Jesus. It cost God his one and only son. As we read, as we know in the famous John 3, 16 verse. 
God came after us. He pursued us. It isn't the other way around. There is no one who seeks God. Remember what I just read here? No one who seeks God. God pursues us. Having heard this Walter Danger Odori story, where can we see God's grace at work? Now, Odori, just to continue the story, has his business or a small gig on Grogan Road. He visits his family regularly over the weekends in Tala, where his wife went to the village. And that's where she's staying with the children. He's trying to reconcile, and story is that Odori sometimes goes to Tala, sometimes he doesn't. This once in a while, he has found, he was found in one of the cars he's fixing. He slept there overnight because he had blacked out out of a hangover. But that's who Odori is. Where is the grace in this man's life? You see, grace is about unmerited favor extended by God to all in humanity. Because of his great work and love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our sins. Verse 8 and 9 of the book of Ephesians says, And it is by grace we have been saved. It is through faith. This is not from ourselves. Here's the operative word. It is the gift of God. Not by works that no one can boast. This is why I suggest to you how you answer this danger or glory question. Begin to understand what the gift of grace is. We do not deserve favor from God. We don't deserve the status accorded to us by God. But he gives it to us anyway and is available for all of us. It is a gift. God gave us a blank check signed in the blood of Jesus Christ. This is what Paul is alluding to in his letter to Philemon when he's talking about Philemon. Number two, the grind of grace. I said the gift of grace now is the grind of grace. Once Onesimus heard the gospel preached and taught to him by Paul, he confessed Christ, faith in Christ rather, and the grace of God took over. Somehow, this runaway fugitive from the law, who was on death row, has changed. The grace of God has turned his life around. Check out in verse 11 of, 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 the, of, of, of what we have read in Philemon chapter, chapter 1 verse 11. He says, formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. <clears throat> Excuse me. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. Guys, this was a criminal and not useful, but after coming in contact with Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ, the grace of God has worked, refined it, refined him. What has happened? 
In high school, I did technical drawing and metal work. And there was an electric grinding machine made of industrial diamond. The industrial diamond is called cubic boron, cubic CBN, cubic boron nitride. Hard abrasive material. And it grinds and smoothens metal. So you put metal there and it becomes nice and smooth. That is what I want to suggest to you the grace of God is. In the book of Titus chapter 2, Paul talking to Titus says, The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, sorry, let me go, go back again. The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. This is the grinding that is at work. This is the transformation process. It's not that little angel sitting here and the little devil sitting here and you're being asked, should I or should I not? No, that's not what it is. But if you want to look the way cartoons put it, eh, so be it. It's a transformation process. Quickening your, your own inhibitions, your own excesses, telling you and teaching you to say no to them. Remember, left to our own, we will self-destruct. We are evil. We are evil, guys. But Onesimus was now a product of God's grace, a contrite, a broken man coming in contact with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The grace of God is refining. <clears throat> and it was a refining agent in his life, turning him around that Paul could write such a glowing reference letter for him. So whatever good you're seeing in you, those of you who are believers in Jesus Christ, whatever good you're seeing in you, it isn't you. That is the grace of God. The fact that our pastors and his wife have lived together for seven years and they're still alive. <laughs> they haven't been at one another's throats. In as much as we celebrate seven years of marriage, this is the grace of God. Hallelujah! The psalmist says this in Psalm 124. Had it not been for the Lord of my side, where would we be? In the midst of a marauding army, the psalmist is talking about how the enemies was about to take them out. Had it not been for God, I say to you, the fact that you're alive today, it is God's grace. The good choices you have made, some of you, if we really sat down and we said, yo, you tell me about your life, and we're talking like this, I kid you not, if you really reflect, <clears throat> some of the good choices you've made in your life, have not come from your own wisdom. This is the grace of God at work. So having heard Walter Danger Odori's story, where is the grind in grace? You see in the stories, we see his struggles with alcohol. 
na, na Yesu uko gerezani we don't know if he goes to church or not but where is the transformation is he stealing engines or is he a, a witness where is the grinding grace I one time visited um, a, a, a lady who was at that time separated from her husband. But just let me give you a context. Her husband came to Nairobi Chapel in Gong Road, where we are. And he visited and he did plug in. Remember, uh, your pastor here told you about plug in? I want to encourage. If you have never gone through plug in, go through plug in. Okay, plug-in is not like a like the you know you have to do it and then you go to heaven. No, it's a ten-week experience. All right, it's a ten-week experience that, that we we use a text a textbook. It's called Mizizi. Okay, and if you've done it somewhere else, I want to encourage you to do it. Even as a church, we do it as a community together, and you grow. It teaches you and co- and connects you to God. I mean, back to the basics. But it also connects you to a community of believers where you share same beliefs, you know, same convictions. It also connects you to a church. And I, and I hope as you continue to be a part and parcel of this church, you will connect and begin to serve and be a blessing to others. But it also connects you to your God-given purpose. And so this gentleman, I did meet him several years ago, okay? And he went through plug-in. He gave his life to Christ. He gave his life to Christ. And, uh, and, and as, after hearing his stories, I began to realize why he was not together with his wife. So he told me, okay, because I was going to visit the country where his wife was. Things were so bad, they were in different countries. So in, in some of my travels, meeting our different partners around the world, I was in that place and he told me, if you have a chance, please, please, please contact my wife and tell her I am a changed man. So I called her up and she says, come uh, to my place. I live with my sister now. I'm like, sir, sir. So I went to visit her and her sister. So when I sat down with this lady and I was telling her and her sister about their husband, who they had been separated now probably two, three years, she could not agree. Live alone, believe, even agree that what I was saying was truth. Now, here's what happened. This man, I said, he stopped drinking. He's at home before 5 o'clock every day. This guy leads the small group, hosts the small, he's not the leader, he hosts the small group, church group, in his house. Every other week, every two weeks, he hosts it. Is it Toshe? We know he used to cheat on you. He doesn't. In fact, all the friends, those ones that you are, you had a, they're no longer his friends. In fact, I don't know them because I know this guy. Every other week, I meet to study the Bible with him and to pray. She's like, ah, ah this is not the guy. Oh, and by the way, this guy has started a, he's got a business and he is doing business above the board. He has lost many business opportunities because they have asked for bribes, and he hasn't. She says, Z, no, no way. This is not the man. 
it was hard for her to understand and see a change in this man. Eight years later, actually almost nine years later, this man still walks with the Lord. Unfortunately, their marriage ended. But the grind of grace is still at work in him. Lastly, I want to suggest to you that the grace of God is not about you. It is for his glory. When you see the, the, the blades of a propeller, we are right near, near Jomo Kenyatta International Airport, and if you see the blades of a propeller in action, and as the engine starts and starts rotating, rotating, after a while you don't see the blades, you just see the hub. I want to suggest to you that whatever is good that is happening in you is for the glory of God. That is what is so amazing about the grace of God. The glory ascribed to God's grace points to its source, Jesus Christ. We never see the work of grace, but we notice the results. A life surrendered to Christ. Paul writing to the church in Colossians, where again Philemon was the leader, he says, the Son, that is Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creations. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is at the center. Somehow, somewhere, God has designed his grace to bring glory to himself and himself alone. What's up has become a necessary evil in my life. Quick, cheap way to keep in touch. And I tell you, there are all these groups you're being put into. And when you left, it's drama. So I belong to one particular WhatsApp group, and it's about what goes on in politics, okay? So during the time of our last general election, this one guy, okay, his candidate won, and he gloated about it to the rest who are on that WhatsApp group. He gloated about it. He even sent memes just to make fun of people who voted for this guy. I mean, he was gloating. And he says one particular morning, okay, as he was reading scripture, it came to him about what it means to be gracious in victory. And so his post that day was an apology to all the people who follow him or who are part and part of that WhatsApp group. That was his post. Now, I got in touch with him later that day and I told him, dude, I want to thank God not for that post that you have, but the learning you have about what it means to be gracious in victory. That was grace. He still makes fun of those guys who are there, but now we know where he's coming from. So don't get it twisted, guys. God himself says, for I, the Lord, am a jealous God. He doesn't share his glory with anybody. So as you allow God's grace to work in your life, you are actually allowing the glory of God to be seen by others. And all the praise and glory goes to God. So I ask you the question one final time. Will you suggest to your colleague 
to actually call Walter Danger Odori. I say we are all Walter Danger Odoris. We are all the time messing up and trying to fix things. Some of us have had our encounters with Jesus Christ, possibly trying to fix things in our past. But we fall down severally. But God continues to work in us, through us, for us, and I want to dare say, despite of us sometimes. We may not be given to excesses or the violence of the story we have read here. What Onesmus and Walter Danger Odori teaches us is that God's grace is unlimited and can work for us. It is a gift. It is a work in progress that grinds us, but it is for his glory and the joy of our hearts. Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at Rubani House on Shriji Road off Airport North Road.